Hello and welcome to the Emerald Gamescast episode, the number 14. My name is Nolan. With me is... I'm Janelle. And... I'm Alex. And you guys, it's the first day of Turkey Month. You mean the first day of Christmas? No. Because now it's Christmas. It's the first day of... Or Hanukkah if you celebrate. Of not being able to play Luigi's Mansion for another year. (laughs) That's That's true. true. That's true. Halloween is over. Uninstall Luigi's Mansion. Put down Medieval if you if you bought that. Haven't touched it in a week. I'm just curious. I'm thinking about holiday games. Is there is there a Thanksgiving game? Is there like a Thanksgiving game you could play every year? No, because like you can be spooky every every time whenever yeah. you want. You can't be like thankful or like there's no Christmas games. There's no you know? like game where you're like a turkey. Maybe actually, no. Actually, running away from have someone. Have you played the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas game? Wait, but that's has Christmas in the title. Yeah, but. It's the idea is it takes place in all of the, in all the different like the holiday universes because remember he sees the trees. Oh, you want to know what's extra fucked though? It's the same engine and the same developers as Devil May Cry. No, no, I've heard about this. There's yeah. like a gaming Brit show video where he talks about yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. like better than it has any right to be. So I guess what I'm hearing, Janelle, is we need to go pick up that game and play the Thanksgiving World now. I mean, yeah. To I guess so. It takes you about a year to finish that to game. If you wanna, it, yeah. it really it does. It's it's a whole month for every world. Yeah, it's wild. Perfect. But we just mentioned three, though. We've been playing it. You know, you and I, for the first time for me since, God, 2011, showed up to a GameStop to pick this thing up at 9 p.m. because the guy behind the counter told us that if we came and got it physically, because GameStop is desperately clawing to bring people into their like decaying <laughs> stores as the walls crumble, if we came in physically, we could take home... The cardboard standee of Gooigi. Not just Gooigi. It was Gooigi and the mansion and Luigi. And we almost got all three of those things. We showed up at the thing, right? And there's like five other people there because nobody cares about GameStop anymore. The guy was like down, just like looking at the counter, like scrubbing on a notepad. And he's like, yeah, come at 8.50. There's like two people showing up to pick up this game. I don't care. Just whenever. But like, I'm the last customer who gets up to the counter and I ask about this raffle that they told me about a week ago and he was like oh yeah there's one other guy who wants that so you guys can figure out how that works i guess and it was this guy with his two kids who really wanted the cutout i kind of threatened him physically <laughs> no, no. i it wasn't a real threat but i definitely did like you know glare him down he did it back it was you all th- in throw your weight fun. around a little bit yeah a little bit all that weight that you definitely have yep i am the official smallest member of the emerald games cast <laughs> The 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 manager running this raffle had no idea. They had no plan for this like four foot tall Luigi standee. I mean, he said, "What do you guys want to do? We want to flip a coin, play a game, fight, trivia." He he had absolutely no plan to get rid of this standee, and 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 we were thinking, "Oh, we'll flip a coin, right?" So I think all of us said, "Flip a coin," and then the, the man's daughter, this little quiet, sad little girl, like tugs on his sleeve and goes, "Daddy," and he goes, "It's okay, it's okay, sweetie." We can probably take home the cardboard Luigi. And and so then we knew we... Fuck them kids. And then we were like, no, wait, not a coin flip. What if we only take home Luigi <laughs> and you guys get the rest? We went over to sign. I mean, the guy, the manager wanted us to write our name and phone number down. And you remember what the guy, what the guy who lost the Luigi standee said, said to me? I don't. <laughs> he said, well, I'm glad we could settle this amicably. And <laughs> <laughs> up and took the... What the fuck? <laughs> and like, and, and went over and signed his name and his phone number down. And, and the guy said, come back on Sunday. And I'm worried. We're going to, all of us, including that little girl, are going to show up on Sunday. And she's going to walk away sobbing. I don't care. As we carry away the Gooigi. Yeah, but you get the best part. I had to go to a mall. I had to go to a GameStop and buy a physical game. 
That kid loves them all because she's a kid. She didn't lose anything. If she doesn't get the damn stand, she's fine. If I don't get Guiji, I will cry. I am entitled to Guiji. They well, promised me Guiji. She'll cry too, though, because she's a little girl. And she'll she's learn. She's even littler than you. Yeah, well, she will grow up and she will learn and it'll be fine. We all have to have that lesson at some That's point in our lives. That's the spirit. You sure gave her a, a, a treat. When all she wanted was a cardboard Guiji trick. She got no damn Luigi. It. I did it backwards. Cardboard Guiji trick. Cardboard Guiji treat. But you gave her a trick by the showing trick her what it's like to literally lose. Literally the rest of the standee. Yeah, that's right. Can you explain this Guiji thing to me? What the what? the character in the game? Or? No, I mean Janelle's borderline obsession with the character. Oh yeah, you love Guiji. I don't remember when it <laughs> happened. I think it happened during E3. Is think- that when we, is that when the game was announced? No, uh, maybe. That's the first time I heard Guiji. Which is funny because he was in, we just mentioned Dark Moon on the 3DS, but it was in this like side game co-op mode. Wait, but no, now he's he so the, uh... prominent that he's on the cover of 3. He's, he's... Wasn't he in the 3DS remake? That, well, um, no, not, not the remake. There was the 3DS, like Luigi's Mansion sequel oh, okay. on the 3DS. And Guiji was in the, I think with the equivalent, like, okay, Luigi's Mansion 3 has this thing called Scream Scraper, maybe. It's mm-hmm. sort of this like random generation uh, skyscraper where you capture ghosts as you move up floor by floor. And that mode in the 3DS game of Dark Moon was the place where Guiji was introduced because Guiji was the form that players besides the first player took to differentiate them because they were multicolor and looked different and whatnot. Wait, so why wouldn't it just... I thought it was, I thought it was just the Luigi's with different outfits. Like they I were mean, all Luigi, but they just had different colored clothes. I could have sworn. I could have sworn that's where. Because I know, I know that the GameStop trailer said Guiji Returns, you know? It did. No, you are right. Yeah. 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 I have never played another Luigi's Mansion game in my Same. life, so I don't but know. But now anything. you're playing this one, and what what do you what do you think? It's like my, Guiji aside. It's my favorite game on the Switch. It's Seriously. gorgeous. It's so much fun. The sound design is amazing. That game is just so much fun. I've consistently heard it looks and sounds beautiful. That is something I hear all the time. Even with people who aren't super keen on the game, it, that it's the best looking game on the Switch. It totally is. It's They're just showing off at this point. Like, oh, it's, yeah. It's amazing. I remember agreeing in the beginning, um, as soon as you get the Poltergust, which is like the vacuum that Luigi uses to pull up ghosts, um, and you start going into rooms and just experimenting with it, they are really, really showing off how much they're doing with physics and like interactable objects and how much you can kind of deform the room by pulling stuff off tables, knocking things over and whatnot. One thing that actually blew me away, later in the game, you get a saw. Well, there's one level that's in sort of like a, like a greenhouse gardens area. And you can get this power saw that's lodged into a table and use it. And um, the first room you get it in, you, you can walk around and destroy everything. And it deforms in a really interesting way. You'll like take the saw up to a dresser or a bookshelf and it will actually cut the point that you cut it and the thing like snaps and breaks and falls down and there's a treasure chest hidden up on top of a bed frame and you have to like cut two of the pillars to make the bed frame collapse and i thought this is just nintendo doing red faction gorilla with with, with luigi <laughs> this is the same video game it was, it was incredible yeah do you find that as someone who hasn't played the first two games that the mechanics are difficult to get into at first? Did you have any trouble on the on-ramp with this game? Well, at PAX 2019, they had this game and it turns out you could play an entire level. I got through two hallways because I couldn't figure out how to play this game. So yeah, definitely. Well, it's- since the PAX demo started on like the fifth or sixth level of medieval the game themed. though. Yeah. yeah. But do you do you feel better about the game with the more natural difficulty curve that the final product has? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was 
pretty awkward to play the first time. I wasn't sure if I'd actually like it outside of Gooigi originally, uh-huh. but yeah, like the mechanics are super fun now that I've finally like gotten a hold of them. Yeah. I think the polish is what stands out the most. Um, in the very beginning, you come into the hotel lobby to prepare, you know, your room. They have to have you check in and get your luggage and stuff and whatnot. Of course, this is before you know that the hotel is actually a spooky hotel. And it's a twist that I, no one sees coming. But in that scene, um, Mario and Peach are standing in different sides of the hotel. And the music is the Luigi's Mansion theme. But if you walk over to Princess Peach, it gradually infuses the Peach's Castle theme into it in a really natural mix. And if you walk away from her and go to Mario, it, it gradually infuses the Mario Brothers theme into it. It's so smooth that I didn't notice the difference until... I went back to each one a second time because the first time I thought the song was just beginning a new verse. It's so naturally weaved in and it didn't sound like I was passing some trigger. And the game's full of stuff like that that I don't want to spoil because you should really play it. But it's absolutely full of little moments of polish that I think make it... This is not my original thought. People have been saying this a lot, but they're right. Because the most Nintendo game that Nintendo has released in a long time, like it's very traditional kind of GameCube era, kind of early Wii Nintendo feeling to it. Interesting, interesting. Which is a big plus in my book. It's not reinventing the wheel in the way that like the other Nintendo franchises have been attempting to do with the Switch. It's very much just one of those old classic games. It's incredibly comfy to play. Like it just makes you feel good to sit down and play it. It's it's really good at that. It's it's like Ray Parker Jr. said, Bustin makes you feel good. Just like that. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a little bit less Resident Evil than the first Luigi's Mansion, though. That's which... always a super weird comparison to me. I swear you've said this like three or four times. But, had discussions but it's about... true. You think about Resident Evil 1, you start in the lobby of a mansion. It's a big puzzle box. Find the keys. Find the color-coded keys. Find the keys that line up to card suits. All kinds of wacky, gamey stuff like that. Luigi's Mansion 1 is the same thing, man. Is there a tyrant in Luigi's Mansion 1? Yeah, there's King Boo. No, but the tyrant. What's the tyrant? That's the big super zombie. Isn't that... That's Wesker's project. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have a confession. I have not played Resident Evil 1 and or 2. You're playing it right now. The remake, right? I'm playing the, the remake of 2, yeah. Yeah. You're also playing a little bit of Outer Worlds. Yes. What do you think about that? Yeah, I haven't gotten too horribly far into it. And I think I mentioned this. I, I briefly mentioned this last time, but I never really got into Fallout. I or really played any of them more than, you know, maybe an hour, maybe less. And was like, I, I don't I don't dig this. Um, for whatever reason so far, Outer Worlds is really interesting to me. I know that one of the major criticisms was the world building. So, okay, the context is um, you are on this ship of colonists sent out to space. But your ship gets lost or wrecked somehow, and it just sort of, like, floats in orbit around this, like, desert planet for, what, like, 70 years, I think they said? And so you're in, like, cryosleep or whatever. And this, like, vaudevillian scientist, like, Doc Brown character comes and breaks you out and is like, you have to stop because the corporations are evil. Every one of his names, his first, middle, and last name, is like a reference to like a 19th or 18th century sci-fi author, too. Yeah, like, I love I that. think the game is very, very, like, if I didn't know this game, I would think kind of pulpy sci-fi, which it is, but it's also kind of like Jules Verne-esque. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. yeah it they reminds me this... of Bioshock a lot, actually. Yeah, they have this really cool, I wish they went a little harder on that, like had like goofy ray guns or whatever, as opposed to just they, like. They do. I got a shrink ray. Uh, and, and it is the prototypical weird oval-shaped gun with like a fin on it, and it makes like a brew brew sound. Oh, I and, love that! And there's a ton of that kind of like 
hokey sci-fi crap oh, and they're so and they're good. and they're literally called the science weapons <laughs> and you have to find the science weapons and they're like yeah it's great so yeah it's, and, it, 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 it's out there and, and unlike the loading screens they have like like john audubon looking dissections of all the 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 alien monsters and like all these like mid 20th century advertisements like advertising like space chewing tobacco it's like like, like mass effect by way of like a wild west pulp novel yeah, almost. yeah. At that very beginning cutscene where you figure out you're on this ship, one of the selling points is this is the only corner of the galaxy run completely by corporations. <laughs> like they're real Welcome proud to of Halcyon. that. Yeah, yeah. And you land there 70 years later, and oh, what a surprise! The corporations fucked everything up. Well, did you find the explanation for why your generation ship never made the landing? Yeah, it's because they don't want to. They don't want the corporation to look bad. There is some stuff in Edgewater, the first town, to suggest that like. The colony financially just couldn't handle an influx of new arrivals, so they just canceled the ship and rerouted it to just go off into space forever. And they knew there's like a 10-year limit on when you can revive someone from cryosleep in the, in the lore of this game. So they figure, well, as long as no one finds it for 10 years, then even if someone does discover it, we can just claim that like we can't do anything with it now anyways. I did not so, know that. It's a really interesting They're just detail. like, we just don't want to pay for these new people because we'd have, we'd have to like build them housing and they have to have a place to work and we have to make new infrastructure. So just don't, just don't let them land, you know, but they're all asleep. So no one will ever know. Yeah. Cause yeah, there's no really one on the ship. Dead, yeah. Quote unquote. And we'll find them and they'll still be alive on paper, but you can't revive them without killing them. So they leave them in this limbo forever and they're not legally required to pay because people in this game are company property. There's a whole subplot in the, in the first area about someone who commits suicide and them trying to frame it as not a suicide. So they don't have to pay the fees for his death. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fun. I, I remember that mission. You confront someone who's like, I was the closest living relative, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, I'm glad he's dead, son of a bitch. And I was like, well, that's not a good way to talk about your closest living relative. And they're like, no, you don't understand. I was the closest living person relative to him at the time <laughs> of his death. So I had to take the consequences. Yeah, and they have this whole thing where like the barber is supposed to dress up the body for a suicide, but he just takes a bunch of drugs and injects it. And he's like, I don't know, the guy OD'd. He had a lot of drugs in him. It's not our fault. Yeah, it's, it's like, this... what, what about the bullet hole in his head, sir? And he's like, unrelated. No one knows where that came from. I love that barber character because it's such a classic, like, 20th century. Like, he's a barber and he's also a surgeon. He's like... the one guy that knows how to use a blade. Which <laughs> <laughs> is like, yeah, give, give him the people. He'll know what to do with them. But yeah, this game is definitely a very harsh critique on capitalism. Do you think that, Janelle, I want to hear your thoughts on this too because you had mentioned this worried you. Do you think that it is leaning too heavily on that at times? Like, do you feel like it makes the game... Not one note quite, but like every town you enter, you have a number of people that are all sort of spouting corporate slogans. And after a while, it ends up being kind of the same joke. Yeah. I mean, the corporations are all different, that? aren't they? Like they all own different worlds and different parts of the world. Well, they are. And I'm on like the second area. And I, and I do think that it does some interesting stuff with it. But I remember, Janelle, you were talking about worrying if this aesthetic of corporate overgrowth would be a meaningful frame for the story or a aesthetic you know i mean i haven't really i haven't played any of it myself and i've only watched you play a little bit so i don't feel like i'm qualified to answer that yet but at least from what i've seen you play so far that doesn't seem to be the case and i'm feeling a little bit more into it i don't know something about this game just isn't clicking for me it seems like the exact kind of game that i would like i love that criticism on capitalism and games right but like i don't know it seems fine i'm curious also what you think so you haven't played the game but you we're a really big fan of the Fallout games. You, st- oh, you still are, you, you know, but you, you talked about wondering whether or not it's okay 
for them to not okay is the wrong word but instead you had mixed feelings on obsidian making a game that is so that has so much fallout dna and wears it so much on its sleeve how has that changed or how do you feel about that so obviously there isn't a monopoly on that sort of game right like that's never been my problem with it it's that every single aspect of it looks like a fallout game to me the way the characters look and the way it does the same fallout zoom in on their face when you're talking to them just all of it looks so much like it that that hasn't really changed for me. I still kind of see it as just some second Fallout game. I feel like you could rank it in a list of Fallout games, right? And I don't know, that makes it not stand out at all. I mean, you know? as someone who who didn't get into Fallout, I'm already really captivated and interested in this game. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy this game. Sure. I, I can say that there's never been a Fallout game where the first time I arrived in an area... I completed every single side quest and discovered every location in the vicinity. And in Outer Worlds, I did that twice in two different areas. And I didn't ever feel like I was doing it out of obligation. Mm -hmm. Like I have been very compelled to poke into every corner of this world. And that is true to an extent with Fallout games, but they've never quite gotten to that same level with me. I think the closest they've come is New Vegas. And that's just... That was Obsidian's attempt. And now now you have Obsidian making this version of a game without a publisher over their shoulders dictating what the can and can't do. And so... One criticism I've heard a lot is that this game, a lot of Fallout's choices are kind of like inconsequential and negligible to my understanding. There are some interesting choices in this game. Like in the first area, the first area you go to is like a cannery town on the coast. And everyone eats this... I mean, you're, you're underselling. It's like It's like a cannery planet. Yeah, there's one yeah. cannery, and there's, the only food anyone on the whole planet eats is from the cannery. This entire town, the only source of income is the cannery. The guy who runs the cannery is in charge of the entire planet. So it's an awful, miserable place because it's a cannery, mm-hmm. and they're all getting sick because you find out somewhere in the game that the fish are like salmon, so they like spawn, and then they swim upstream and they die. And how <laughs> they eat them is they just pick up the corpses off of the beach and throw can them. them. They throw them in the grinder and just yeah. put them in a can. And put some salt on it. This game is really funny, by the way. There's a <laughs> yeah, lot of quality humor in this game. Um, what, it, really dark, dry humor. But it, it, it came out of the gate swinging with that. One of the first NPCs you find, you, you like <laughs> come through a cave, and this guy is lying on the ground, bleeding out. You have a dialogue option where you're like, "Do you need help? I have some medicine." And he goes, "Oh, I'm not allowed to accept help from anyone. It doesn't work for Spacer's Choice, sir." But the Cannery Town. So it's awful and miserable because it's a it's a like cannery. And canneries suck, and so does working a miserable job. And, but you find out there's a group of dissenters that are outside of the cannery, right? And you need to get that ship powered up so you can leave and do your mission. There is a power cell in the cannery, and there's a power cell that's being used to charge the... Like the deserter camp. The deserter camp, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you have to choose, like, who, who do you want to save, basically? One, one group gets stuck with that power. And I'm like, well, this cannery's awful and miserable, and people talk about how they lose fingers and their friends die of the plague. Everyone seems to be living a pretty nice life in this deserter camp. They're growing plants. They're fixing up robots. You know, it's cool. So I'm like, and they also mention they have this kindly old lady who's like, oh, I'll welcome anyone in, right? So I'm like, well, okay, obviously I want to give it to them because I want to shut down this fucking evil company. So I shut them down, and then I go back and tell her, hey, I did it. You guys have power now. And they're like, oh, that's good. Shame about all the new influx of people, though. And I'm like, what? She goes, well, as much as we'd like to accept new people, we can't have any corporate blood in our mix. We we can't let the camp become unpure. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, the, she just does the same exact thing, basically, as, as like Reed Thompson, the, court, the cannery guy does. Yeah. yeah. 
So it wasn't nearly as cut and dry as I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, what, what the fuck? You, you, I thought you said you took in everyone. All of these people are going to starve because of me. Yeah. And that felt, that, that had like consequence. And, I and really liked that. I had the exact same experience and I expected the game to do the typical thing where I knew that at that point, so once you divert power to the group that you're giving it to, the other power cell is unpowered, which means you can go pick it up and bring it to your ship. So you have to go back to the cannery town and, and break into the cannery to get it. And I fully expected the place to be rigged up with armed guards and that I would have to fight my way in to like reach the cell. But I got there and the manager basically just says how disappointed he is and how he's like, well, this sucks. Now I'm going to get sent off to jail and no one here is going to run the place. And now, now all these people have no jobs and you kind of ruined everything. And I don't even really care enough to have them shoot you. So you're saying that the, your game didn't have armed guards? Oh, no, mine did. Mine did, but I threatened him. I was like, you call off your guards or there's going to be a lot more blood on this. Oh, yeah, I didn't. I don't think I used an intimidate skill. I think I kind of just talked to him and it was some kind of persuasion check where we just agreed that it would be kind of dumb to start a gunfight over this because there's no, they don't have any use for the power cell anyways. And he was like, all right, fine. And he like called his guys off and then I just went and got it and left the town and he ends up just sitting there on a bench and he's like why don't you just leave there's no like animosity at that point I mean there is animosity but it's not like you don't have to go through a boss fight and fight waves of guards you just get there and someone says well you really screwed things up didn't you guess you better take your shit and leave I'm tired of you and that was really refreshing too sorry if we just spoiled some details of an opening area and that's only one route if you want to go the other route or do other things you have a lot of freedom in this game and apparently a lot more dialogue choices than any other Fallout game. Well, once you get, and I won't spoil any specifics here, but once you get the first couple of companions that you can obtain on that opening planet, the next area you go to, you can have them follow you around, sort of like Mass Effect or Dragon Age, and they will inject themselves into like a really, really large amount of the conversations. And uh, like on the first planet, I tried something with the first companion. I saved my game, and I wanted to see what would happen if I shot the cannery boss after he let me go, just to see what would happen. I did, just it immediately triggered a dialogue, and my companion said, what the fuck are you doing? He was letting you go, and just got really angry at me and said, I don't know if I can be with you if you're going to just run around shooting people in the back of the head because you don't like them, and I got a persuasion check where I could tell her, listen, I'm doing you a favor. He was insulting you and controlling your life. And then she shot back with something like, you're going to kill someone because he's insulting me? That's not healthy. And then basically said she was going to leave the party. And if I had failed the persuasion check that came after that, the companion would have just left, like removed themselves from the game, which I don't remember a Fallout game ever doing anything like that. I thought it was very impressive yeah, that yeah. they have little things like that in there. There's yeah. little things too. Like there's a, there's a character that's banned from a store. Um, so that companion will patiently wait outside and kind of grumble about how they're not allowed to go into the store um, while you go in and buy things. I guess what I'm wondering about is you said, Alex, that there's a lot of choice that you can make in this game. But my understanding is that it's a game about how people don't have choice. So how does it justify having somebody who can just run around doing whatever they want in a world full of people who can't? Well, they have the term for you as opposed to the courier or the the survivor or whatever in the Fallout games. You're the uh, unplanned variable is I think what they call you. Yeah. Um, so that's like, I feel like that's the sort of symbolism is like, and you're the only person who was here before the corporations took over. Like it's been 70 years. These people have been, have had like a generation where their entire lives have been ruled by this company and most of them don't know any better. And that's kind of the source of a lot of comedy, but also a lot of like, oh, wow. I can't speak for the rest of the game, but the first two companions to answer your question of like, how can they just leave their post and come on your ship with you? 
One of them is a public official who like him deciding he wants to leave the planet as long as he classifies it as a career mission, which he does. He's trying to get like a book translated. Yeah, he, he wanted to leave the planet because he was like just this awful spiteful dude. Wasn't oh, no, he? I'm, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying like he has a legal reason why he's allowed to just leave if he wants to. And the other one, when you bring one of the companions to your ship to enter, she specifically says like, oh, this looks really fun, but I really need to go back home. And you can do a dialogue check where you basically say, like, we're going to space and these people cannot afford to leave. No, no one's going to follow you. We could just go. And she says something like, oh, we really can't. I have a job and I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. And we could use an extra hand on deck. We could yeah. just go to a different place where the corporation is a different, like, it, like the police and the government and everything is is Spacer's Choice Corporation. So you'd go to a different planet where it's a different corporation. It's and not the boom, best choice. Diplomatic it's community. Choice. Yeah, which is which is a really funny like double entendre saying that they say all the time. I love it. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's good. Do you think you'll ever play it, Janelle? Maybe I, I have been pretty harsh on it, but it does seem like a game that I would have fun playing. So Especially if you like Fallout, right? Like this is the Fallout successor. Yeah, but it just seems like I it has the same issues, but... problems as Fallout, right? I just worry about it feeling soulless, but you guys make it sound a little bit more interesting than I thought. So maybe eventually I'll sit down and get Game Pass or whatever and play it, but I'm not actively yeah, you can play it for it. like $1 or maybe 5 if you have a the PC, promo. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a good game. The only downside is I only have seven days to play it before Death Stranding. And then I can't play any games ever anymore except and, for that one. Because that's apparently going to take a lot of time. Apparently it's like 80 plus hours. The reviews are out. It's wild. Reviews are out and very conflicted. <laughs> people hate it. People are giving lower than 5 out of 10. People are giving it 10 out of 10. It's exactly a masterpiece. It's expected. a trash fire. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. you know, like last quote unquote season or whatever we want to call the podcast. We had a running joke where it's like, oh, I want to see what is Kojima going to do with no one around to tell him no. Are we yeah. just going to get like George Lucas, like insanity? Like a writer I really like uh, named Tim Rogers, who I talked a little bit about last season, said Death Stranding is what happens when the narcs upstairs forget Kojima's phone number and don't bother to look for it. <laughs> and this is the game that he puts out when that happens. Yeah. Seven days. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely be talking about it when we, we get a chance. We will definitely be talking about it. So yeah. Tune back in. Oh yeah. We have some news too. Not a lot, pretty light week on news, but um some cool stuff happened. Alex, tell me what happened with our good friend, our good boy, Shigeru the Miyamoto. Oh, the well, Mario man, the mustachioed plumber creator. Shiggy himself. Mario tour director himself. himself. So, to my understanding, the Japanese government honored him as a person of cultural merit. Which is a pretty big deal because I think this is one of the only times a video games person has ever been included in that. I think it is the first time, yeah. Yeah. And if there's anyone to give that to, the guy who made Mario would be the guy. He did make the video game. No game has had the same cultural power no. as as Mario. If it were to be anybody else, if Shigeru Miyamoto was disqualified on some technicality, who who else would be in the running? I, I can't oh think God. of anyone. But yeah, like if we're talking about people that have done Japanese significant game developers... Like, Shigeru Miyamoto is the only one who I can think of a, a name off the top yeah. of my yeah. head. Miyamoto-san, good job. I like him. I think he deserves it. Uh, he absolutely boy. deserves yeah. it, yeah. I might go home and play Luigi's Mansion tonight. Even though he didn't have anything to do with that game, I assume. Yeah, that was I an American know. studio, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, you weren't really an Nintendo kid, were you? No. Nope. You, really you didn't really have the pleasure, huh? I had a Game Boy, and then I had a Wii, and now I have a Switch, and that's it. I know some people, as an analogy here, get really, really hyped for Disney. For me, Mickey Mouse is a thing that exists. I like him just fine. He's culturally ubiquitous. I don't have any nostalgic attachment 
to Mickey Mouse. Do you feel this way as a non-Nintendo kid about Mario? Do you look at a GameCube and go, I bet that was great for someone? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My nostalgia is remembering my friends talk about it. That's kind of it. Like, of course, I played maybe the original Mario mm-hmm. as a kid, Just maybe. but like... I really have no relationship, no formal relationship with Mario himself. Have you ever gotten deep in a Nintendo game? Has there ever been one that you like later in life latched onto? I genuinely can't think of any. I mean, maybe. I'm sure there's one and later tonight I'll go, oh, how did I forget about that? I I, I liked some Breath of the Wild or like. I played that for 10 hours maybe, got bored. Oh, really? Yeah, I played some Pokemon. I've always wondered what, how Breath of the Wild Breath of the Wild is such a weird reinvention of a formula that I've always wondered how that game would land for someone that doesn't care about the formula that it's reinventing. Well, you're in luck because I'd never played a Zelda game for more than a little bit before this. Oh, Christ. I mean, I love Breath of the Wild, but I also love Wind Waker, which I played afterwards. So good. Yeah. yeah. So good. I played some Link to the Past as a kid. That's a good game. I only remember the first 10 minutes of that game. It's weird. Our logo is this off-brand GameCube controller, but like... (laughs) Janelle didn't own a GameCube. I didn't own a GameCube. Oh, I was I was big on the GameCube. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I played a lot of GameCube. You know, that, that goes to show the power, and not only the power of Nintendo, but the fact that we're in that generation where yeah. the GameCube was big, you know? Well, it's like yeah. almost, that's exactly why Miyamoto's name matters so much and why he deserves the award, because you don't need to be a Nintendo fan to know about Nintendo, right? It's, yeah. It, it is truly like the Disney of video games. Well, yeah, Mar- isn't Mario one of the most recognizable characters in the world? As far as I know, Mario is be, like yeah. right yeah, behind yeah. the McDonald's arches or something. He's he's, he's not far behind Mickey Mouse. Yeah. If we're yeah. going to bring that analogy back, you know? I mean, like my grandparents would not know. Like if this is the metric we'd be going by, my grandparents would never know what a Dragon Quest is. They'd probably think it was like some weird precursor to Tolkien or something. But, you know... They know what a Mario is. Everyone knows what a Mario is. Oh, yeah, is, everyone yeah. knows what a Mario is. They know that guy. Oh, yeah. He's good. They know a Mario. They know a Pikachu. Oh, Maybe yeah. they even know a Link. But that's usually not as common. You can read a lot about a Mario and a Link on a website called Kotaku, but you might have to be quick because Kotaku and some hot water these days. You guys heard about this? Yes. So this all started in something that we know nothing about, and that's sports. Now, this may come as a shock that the people who run a dedicated video games podcast are not super into sports. It was a sports channel, and there's a lot of history behind it. They had some, like, hot political takes. I think they told Donald Trump to fuck off after he tweeted at them. A new site Um, called Deadspin. They've been acquired by Geo Media, Uh which has been playing some, like, awful, terrible ads. And they were like, hey... If like you guys, like autoplay, like as soon as you open the site, yeah, like yeah. with with sound autoplay yeah. ads, which is like you know no one likes that. And they were yeah. like, hey, if you guys don't want to hear this, you should get in touch with the people who are in charge. And the people who are in charge went and shut down the site and fired one of their most prominent uh, employees, uh, Barry Barry something or other, um, leading basically all almost every other employee to quit. Every on, other on employee yep. in Deadspin they lost their entire yes. staff. Kotaku, which is part of this same company has also recently been, you know, in hot water for that reason because other people have been standing up for them. I think all, right now, as we speak, all of their Twitter profile pictures are the uh, uh, the Writers Guild Union, which is wild. Uh, and you know, we've talked about Jason Schreier quite a bit, but I don't feel like we've talked enough about Kotaku. They get a lot of hate online for some reason because they write, like, weird articles sometimes, but they're also, like... I think that's part of it i think more importantly kotaku at one time was the target of a lot of derision because they were 
they leaned a little bit more left during the Gamergate stuff. Mm -hmm. And people tend to associate Kotaku with their, the kind of people who say SJW today in 2019 in the year of our Lord, 2019, those are the kind of people that hate Kotaku. And if it's not the type of people, it's, they've maybe heard so much about Kotaku being terrible that the association exists somehow quietly. Like subconsciously, yeah. yeah. Right. People don't even know why. They just hear Kotaku and they're like, oh, I hate that place. Which is so weird to me because like, you know, people talk about how, how game sites shill all the time. And like, maybe. Like there was recently another an, a semi-unrelated scandal um, where a IGN employee didn't get a copy of the new... Uh, simulation game planet zoo because they said that they didn't plug the game enough on their site which is like you know that that seems like oh they expected them to shill a little more yeah kotaku does a lot of an actual investigative journalism right like they have jason schreier who's like the big like name in games journalism but they've done a lot of like deep dive exposés into like you know work culture and there's a reason we keep linking them yeah in these discussions they tend to be the first and most thorough report on basically yes, any yes. industry like workers rights related story they Other are people not tend to care about what gets them the clicks for the game reviews and previews kotaku does a lot more games journalism i think they're not just going to press junkets and asking the softball questions right like yeah. they are doing actual really really quality games journalism and it makes me really sad that people are like cheering on the supposed death of kotaku yeah out of some like weird spite or hate for one particular woman that has spiraled into this whole subsect of people. You know? So, but about the death of Kotaku, we, we got a little ahead of ourselves with the story, but why is it? So Kotaku is linked with this parent company. Yes, sorry. Uh, and so, the same, so journalists at Kotaku also spoke out about the ads, right? They did, yes. Um, and they have not come under as direct fire, but there is a sort of dread in the air that, oh, people are going to get fired in the same way that uh, Miss Berry guy did for speaking out. And for not sticking to games, quote unquote, and and that's and that's concerning, especially with all of the the acts to like form a stronger union that's been happening. Yeah, it's just it's it's really upsetting, um, and it makes me sad. And I really hope that Kotaku will bounce back from this. I haven't heard much about it in the last couple of days. Like when this first started going down early this week, late last week. I don't know time anymore. I feel like I was seeing a lot of really cryptic tweets about whether or not people might get fired or quit. And I feel like I haven't seen much. I saw a few cryptic tweets this morning. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like this morning. I don't assume the whole thing just died, but I do wonder what's going on right now mm-hmm. with that. See, Ooh. as of Friday, November 1st, there is still some some concern and some like dread in the air. The woman who wrote the, the Death Stranding review for Kotaku put out a tweet like a few days ago saying, I really want to tell you about Death Stranding. Heather but Alexandra, right? Heather, yeah. yeah, exactly. She's, she's fantastic. Her, yeah. her, she is. Her review did come out. So if they were in suspense about it happening within the next couple of days, they're, they're, they either got good news or, or are still in suspense. And it seems to be, based on what you're saying, that they still don't know where their jobs lie. We have no insider info here, but I'm just, that's what, that's what the vibe is mm-hmm. you're getting. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very overt, like, you know, like like I said, the, there's a sense of dread here. And that's part of the reason why people have been, you know, showing their support for the union by changing their profile pictures. And I think in the article, well, the reason that the thing I saw this morning was Jason Schreier linked an article about something Blizzard did. And he said something like support the union or whatever. That was just completely unrelated to the story. Yeah. Which, by the way, this is a little bit of a spinoff. But so they fired uh, the Deadspin guy for what they claimed is not sticking to sports. And if you go to Deadspin now... They're writing fucking nonsense. It is the only time I've ever really enjoyed reading through a sports website. I read an article that was just about this woman bought a weird strawberry. And she wrote a whole article about this weird-ass strawberry. Uh, One person talked about, like, dogs in relation to sports, but, like, incidentally. Like, 
It's 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 incredible. You should definitely. What's the name of that one sports site that people rightfully hate on? Uh, that... Barstool. Oh God, Barstool. Yeah, fuck Barstool. Yeah, their that's, guy. That's what that makes me think of, kind of. Well, no, that the issue with Barstool is that their guy is like super anti. Their leader is super anti unionization. Well, they're also, also really goddamn misogynist. Yep, like a lot. Yep, but that's not relevant though. That's that's neither here it's nor there. It's kind of relevant. Is it? Because okay. yeah, because the the head of Barstool, who's like crushing unions left and right was like hey if barry With wants to come work big, big ass wooden yeah. mallet yeah he's like hey if barry wants to come work for barstool and quit being like a whiny little baby who had a temper tantrum oh, and quit God. his job we got a seat for him and it was like at, yeah, just more fire on barstool i really want this to be okay Brigotaku. however i will say we talk a lot about jason trier on this show we don't talk enough about or at least name drop enough the other people in the industry who are doing a really good job alongside of him um if kotaku goes down which who knows i have no authority to say whether or not that's likely but if it does take a look at jason trier take a look at tim rogers kirk hamilton brian ashcraft heather alexandra take a look at their list they have some of the best of the best when you read a kotaku article you can generally tell what writer created it because kotaku are one of the few people or one of the few businesses out there that really let their writers go wild with style choices and differences and like and like structural differences i mean you watch a tim rogers video versus like a review by someone else at kotaku it's like it didn't even come from the same site they give them a lot of creative freedom you know all i'm saying is if they go down those people are going to be out there still doing interesting things right well that's why i'm saying like keep an eye on the bar like if you see an article by someone that you like then like you know keep an eye on that person follow them on twitter or whatever like because they will keep writing just in general you know which is another thing that's so weird that people hated on the the amorphous entity of kotaku right it wasn't really directed at individuals like people really like jason schreier but they still hate kotaku which it was always weird to me well they hire women and people of color and they don't like that oh that's true when the video games become political that's true because women are inherently political exactly contingent of people that are complaining about the new Watchmen HBO series becoming political. Did they f- <laughs> Did they read it? I know. There's like people saying that like it deals with sexism and racism now and Did it's they all read it? They're like it's this bullshit social commentary and Alan Moore would hate this. I want to First sports now TV. It. We're getting way out of our hey, ballpark. Hey, speaking of people named Alan, oh. BlizzCon started today and Jay Allen Brack, the president of Blizzard Entertainment, gave a non-apology. He acknowledged that they fucked up, I guess, but didn't actually say what they did. They didn't take back any of the suspensions that we've talked about. Mm, to, to recap, it's about Guy Blitzchung who was suspended for speaking out in favor of Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. They just he just gave a Weird non-apology. Everybody in the crowd cheered for him like he did nothing wrong. What really upset me was when he was doing the speech, he left time to... He paused for applause. And there was a beat before people realized, oh, we're supposed to applause. People didn't want to applaud this. I can't remember the wording. What what did he say, Janelle? He said... He said something like we had a t- like 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 a tense east Hearthstone moment, yeah, a tense he, Hearthstone esports moment. Wait, did he really say yeah, that? He yeah, said he said something along the lines of how they messed up in a tense Hearthstone esports moment. He didn't take back any of the punishments. He didn't even really say what what he didn't did. address no, he didn't. it. But then, without changing anything at all, he said, "We are going to continue to be committed to allowing everyone to express themselves on our platforms. Why not?" Alan, 
start with letting the people who already expressed themselves. Yeah, they're still being punished. He didn't even get his full prize money back. But like, it was weird. He was saying this stuff like, this event is like, why we, why we're us and why we do this. And we have these high standards for ourselves and we did not meet up to them and actions speak louder than words. So we'll just have to make up for it with our actions. But like, will they? You know the worst thing that he did tonight? Sorry, I'm remembering this now, okay. right this second. He made some comment. He was like, and all oh, you people yeah. outside this morning, I saw, I heard all of you. Ha ha, no, 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 it's a big no, joke. It was one thing after the other. He said, we're committed to making sure that everyone can express themselves freely. And then he paused and went, and certainly some people at the con today expressed themselves freely this morning. Like referring to the protesters. Yeah, for context, there was an organized protest outside. And then he paused like it was a fucking laugh line and people cracked up in the audience. What is going on at BlizzCon? I've been avoiding Twitter today because BlizzCon is happening this weekend and I want to like go watch the opening ceremony to watch the disaster. And the three (laughs) of us are going to be doing that tonight, which I'm very excited for. But like, I'm pretty sure they're just going to release a bunch of really big things to try to make people forget about all of this. I mean, well, most of the big things have already been leaked. Yeah. Yeah, they have. What else do they have? Hearthstone 2. But it's physical. It just... It's no, it's just like playing cards. Yeah. Like, it's not even like Hearthstone cards. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I don't know. You can play Hearthstone Solitaire. We're doing something never done before. World of Warcraft Tabletop. Would you play that? Actually, that just got announced yesterday, I think. What? Wait, is yeah. it real? No. I think I saw something about that yesterday. No, it's not. Shut the fuck up. What's it called? World of Table, Table of table Warcraft. Of Warcraft. <laughs> there oh, was good. also a World of Warcraft at the board game in no. many years ago. Oh. But, well, I, yeah. but no, yesterday, I swear to God, it, it had to have been WoW because I thought, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> something got it i Maybe don't know they're gonna announce starcraft ghosts again again <laughs> remember starcraft ghosts <laughs> again do you remember that game no yeah and how that didn't yeah. happen i can't wait for starcraft ghosts again again starcraft, starcraft ghosts Ghost 2 master baby <laughs> uh uh you guys it's maybe it's they'll maybe week. they'll pull a riot and just decide to make a fighting game and like, like is, seven like riot announces six games and blizzard announces like seven yeah yeah they're like and one of them is a genre you never even thought of mm-hmm. We're making the second game in the action-stranding genre. <laughs> you know what my favorite thing about this uh, Blizzard Fallout has been? Is that people are appreciating how fucking good the, the lore in Team Fortress 2 was. <laughs> <laughs> like, the lore in Overwatch is abysmal. It's non-existent. But, like... Yeah. I guess Overwatch 2 is all about that, and people are talking about oh, really? all of the lore today. So BlizzCon's happening. We're going to watch that tonight. So many of the um, things that are happening in the news are, are like businesses reacting to different types of outrage like this ea thing at least we can speculate there's a reaction so uh in other words ea had a separate client origin which people hated um for a long time because it also wasn't steam and now they're deciding to publish games on steam again with a special valve partnership um Mm. which i can't imagine has nothing to do with the epic store just a quick update ea did this thing we got some emails this week really i can very proudly say an s on the end of the word email we got more than one of them all right guys this is from dylan The NCAA is looking to let athletes profit off their likeness as soon as 2021, which means the return of the NCAA football game. What are your thoughts? The most te... The most te... I'm reading it as he wrote it. I'm going to say he meant... I think he meant recent. Probably. The most recent release for the 360 regularly goes for, yeah, above retail on eBay. I think last year we... This was on the docket. We have like a list of articles that will decide, oh, what's worth talking about, what's not. I think that was actually on the docket because... uh, the UO was going to be in one of the Madden games. 
Yeah. Uh, but we just didn't end up talking about it because A, there wasn't much to talk about, and B, we don't know shit about sports. Look, I know what the NCAA is. I know what a video game is. I don't watch an NCAA. I don't play an NCAA video game. I can't see as far as 2021. I have heard about this, though, because I have friends who are super into this game, and I think my brother, actually. Um, this, is a, this is a highly sought-after game, so people obviously really like this. And it's cool that now it can exist and people get paid for it. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, that's cool. It's not my cup of tea, but hey, if it's yours, that's awesome. There you go. Yeah. That's about all we can say about it, I think. I don't know. Did you guys have any? I don't know. A sport? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad these sports boys and sports girls can make money off of their sports beings being on the TV. Uh, the next question is from Michael. Michael says, hey, all been listening to the show and really loving it. You're all so much more passionate and energized than any other college podcast I've heard. Well, thanks, I guess. Thanks, Michael. Oh, thanks. Doesn't matter anyways. Okay, Michael says, I'm not a huge Tekken fan, but recently the director of a franchise, of the franchise, responded to a tweet asking about putting in a character from Pakistan and replied that if they were to do that, they'd need to do more research in order to not make any cultural mistakes or misunderstandings. I'm not a huge fighting game fan by any means, but I know they've been pretty bad about offensive stereotypes. Like the famous story about the Street Fighter character that was deemed too racist for human eyes. On the other side of the coin, these games are all about exaggerated features and wacky characters. So from that perspective, a stereotype would fit right in. Where do you guys stand on this? Do you have any thoughts or perspectives? Do you agree with that tweet? Any particularly bad examples in games you wish could be improved? Thanks. Michael. I'm, I'm not a big Tekken fan either by any means, but I know that Harada has a lot of, you know, stay. You know, the don't ask me for shit shirt. That's famous. He's, he's, he's just a cool dude, and it's cool to see him be like, hey, we'd like to, but we got to look into this some more. Well, so to address the question, though, if you go back to, like, the 90s or early 2000s, you still do have games like, say, not strictly a fighting game, but games like Punch-Out, where every character is based off a national stereotype. And in fighting games, you're doing the kind of the same thing. I mean, Street Fighter does it. I don't think Street Fighter is, like, too terrible about it, but you absolutely can look at a character's design and instantly tell what demographic they're supposed to represent which i get what michael is saying there's one side of the coin where that that that's just an element of good design at a point but it depends what you're doing how do you feel about the kind of classic fighting game pantheon here like is it is it something is it it a black mark on that or you know to be honest as much as i hate to say this especially now i feel like blizzard has done a pretty good job at like showing to a character or nation's strengths without completely characterizing them right sure like Like overwatch that's what i'm talking about Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um like they're unique and they're uh, appealing to an extent yeah. and they aren't like, you know, complete caricatures. I, I think, think that's really cool. Rainbow Six Siege should get a special mention for that. Oh, too. really? I think Rainbow Six Siege does a really good job at like representing special forces from all different major nations and giving them like pretty unique backstories. There is certainly an amount of caricature in there, but I think that's true of Overwatch as well. Sure. I mean, um, yeah. Like the Japanese character is a ninja you know and whatnot but that but that like when you're playing it up to a cartoony standard like i think the american guy's a cowboy and that fits perfectly too yeah yeah it's one of those things it's you know you walk a line where you don't want it to be offensive and this is a room full of white people so sure well and and that's why i'm saying like i don't think i have the authoritative voice to say what level of character is too much absolutely i don't know I don't, I'm surprised this this question made me think because when i think back on street fighter games and whatnot i don't recall myself ever really looking at those designs and thinking that they were particularly bad but i'm wondering if that has just been my own blind spot i will say one thing that really surprised me was the new mortal kombat game just announced or not just a while ago announced their new dlc characters 
and one of them was a character, I can't remember their name, Nightwolf, Bloodhawk. They were a Native American character. And I was like, this yeah. game is coming out in, in 2019. You have like a, a Native American caricature in it. Like, I, I'm, I'm surprised that, that that got, there wasn't more of a stir about that. Maybe, yeah. But maybe he's, I, I don't know. I don't know much about uh, that or, you know, the Native American community. Maybe people like him. Maybe he's represented well. Maybe, I don't know, is the thing. Um, but I can't imagine that there wouldn't have been some sort of missteps there. It might also be one of those things where in Japan, they're so distantly removed from... It's, it's mostly homogenous. Like the Native American stereotype that to them, I mean, what 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 is a Japanese game dev's exposure to that? It's like Lone Ranger and Tonto. It's like an old Western. Like it, to them, it's just a, it's an archetype in, a, well, in, in media. Remember the Smash Bros thing with... Uh... Game & Watch? Right, yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. For context, uh, Mr. Game & Watch, the character, has moves that are all visually the same as classic Game & Watch games, and one of them is you are in, like, a, a western fort trying to put out fires put by, like, Native Americans, and so one of the attacks, Mr. Game & Watch had, like, uh, a head feather, and this somehow got out, and Nintendo America were like, yeah, we're really sorry, uh, this was in development, and we, they had since removed it long before it had gotten to this point. So anyways, you know, it's a really good question, Michael. I'd say I'm with Alex. I'm really glad to see people like saying publicly that they would like to research a culture first to make sure they're not just going with the base stereotype. I think the question is more complicated if you're looking retrospectively on fighting games that have already existed for multiple decades. But in terms of like moving forward, why would you have any qualms with a fighting game taking steps to make sure its stereotypes aren't? characters mm-hmm. you know there is always sure. more to learn be yeah. it about like you know any race or nationality or anything right mm-hmm. you can always adapt and learn and improve yourself as a person by just being a better person that's the best uh sentence we could end the show on be good that's been the emerald games cast i'm nolan with me's ben janelle and i'm alex and thank you so much to Michael and Dylan for emailing. We love getting emails. If you want to also send a question to us and have us talk about a dumb game or a dumb gamer. Or a smart gamer. Or smart a smart gamer. game or a smart or a spooky game. Or no, a it's spooky not, gamer. It's not October. Oh, or a festive, festive game. If you want to send mm. us a copy of The Nightmare Before Christmas game. Uh, <laughs> if you want to send us Christmas ornaments of gamers. If you want to send us Garfield a, a week of Garfield or whatever, you can also send that. Wait, where did Garfield come Is it from? The... I feel like that's a holiday game. It's like a week of Garfield. Can we get a P.O. box? <laughs> can you start sending us ga- I want games. Send me a, a little cookie you made with a Garfield on it. Can you send me a giant African millipede? Don't give him one. He always wants the weirdest, most bullshit pets. They what? don't make any no, 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 sense. No, I don't always, I'm just saying, I don't understand what your issue is with giant African millipedes. It's gross. They're fine. They eat gra- leaves and grass. They don't bite. You wanna, it's a they millipede. Just, they curl up in a ball. They're like they're like a little tank. They're cute. They just sort of walk around. Oh my God. I am going to end the show. This is absurd. You're fired. But if you want to send us questions about African millipedes, send us a, a, a legal uh, write-up on why it should be banned to own African millipedes, then... EmeraldGamesCast at gmail.com, spelled like you'd expect, and give us some questions. Anyways, give me a closing quote, Alex McKnight, from, the, from your millipede brain. Giant African millipedes deserve justice.